lung and for salvation. That's from Joyce Phillips. Let's also remember Ralph Jewell. This is Erica Hawley's father. He had to go to the hospital this afternoon. Please keep him in prayer. And that's from Bill and Erica Hawley, so let's remember that. Remember him. All right. Okay. Let's remember Russ Howe. He's found out that he has cancer in his liver. He doesn't know how bad it is, so let's be praying for him this week, lifting him up. I know he would appreciate that, so let's lift him up. <clears throat> let's remember Dustin and Chandrell. Their son will be getting a cyst checked out, and uh, it is at the base of his skull. Uh, Barrett is, their, grands, is uh, their grandson, so let's remember this. This is Ken and Judy Phipps, so let's be lifting them up in prayer as well. And I know that so many will be praying for them. All right, we're going to uh, open up in a word of prayer this evening. Go to the Lord and ask us. Adam, would you just open us up in a word of prayer this evening? Heaven will crown him with 
complete precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy I'm going to get our ushers to come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. While we're doing that, let's remember these announcements. Youth Group and Discovery Club, Tuesday, 6.30 to 8.30. Peanut butter Easter egg sale. All youth group members that are going to Arise, you're selling eggs. Make sure you get those in. You need all of that in by March 10th, and you can pick them up on Saturday, March 23rd, so don't forget that. Thursday, this Thursday, is a Cornhole League, so don't forget that. You can see TJ and Kelly. About that, Young Adults Bible Study, Friday, March 1st at 7 in the Fellowship Hall, the Wild Game Dinner, and Men's Devotion Nights, March the 2nd. And then next week, being the first of the month, there'll be a building fund offering as well. So don't forget all those important announcements. All right, Kurt, would you ask a blessing on the offering? Thank you for watching over us and blessing us, God. I pray that you would be with the services this evening, Lord, that we would feel your presence here, Lord, and that we would just hear your word preached to us, Lord, and it would change our lives, God. We pray that you would be with this offering, the gift and the giver alike. In your name we pray. Amen. 228. On the last verse, then at last, when on high he sees us, our journey done. We will rest where the steps of Jesus sit at his throne. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps.
condemned to die on a cross for crimes he had done he was guilty everyone could see but his destiny was changed when he looked at christ and said when your kingdom comes remember me in paradise that day he stood just like the lord said he would surrounded by those who had gone before and one said friend how did you come what are the deeds you had done with tears in his eyes i can hear him reply there are no merits to my name no works that i can claim he who brought me here told me to Nothing. 
down, tell them it's good to see him tonight.
And didn't the choir do a great job today? Amen, I'll tell you, they always do a wonderful job. Great to have Ruby doing such a great job in Derek's absence, but I'll tell you, we put her through her paces today, did we not? Uh, I, I was really surprised that uh, we could, the choir could do as many songs tonight that we didn't do this morning because I thought we sung everything we knew this morning, uh, but uh, apparently we didn't. But, uh, but no, seriously, it was just great and I appreciate it so very much. And everybody always does such a wonderful job and uh, appreciate that so very, very much. Uh, so I've been looking forward to preaching tonight. Um, and you know, I didn't, uh, I heard some, uh, I think it was Daryl's uh, pastor's preaching tonight. I guess everybody knew that I was preaching tonight. I didn't mean for it to sound the way it did this morning. Uh, I was not trying to preempt Michael, okay? So it might have sounded that way, but I've just kind of been a little excited about preaching this message for a while or getting into this group of messages. And uh, so I was kind of looking forward to it, and uh, I guess I just kind of let that slip out. So anyway, if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to start in chapter number 8. Gospel of Luke, chapter number 8. If you've been following along with us and digging deeper then you know some of the things I'm going to mention here before we read the scripture. One of the things you're going to know is that the Bible is not in chronological order. And if uh, you think it is, you're going to get very confused uh, reading through the Bible because you're, <laughs> you're going to read some things in the Old Testament. And then those exact same, you talk about history repeating itself. You're going to read these things in the Old Testament and then you're going to get to another book and it's all going to happen all over again. And you're going to go, wow, isn't that amazing that the exact same thing that happened back there in Kings has also happened in Chronicles. Yeah, and so you're going to get a little bit confused that way. Uh, but if you've been studying with us and digging deeper on Wednesdays at 10 o'clock, uh, then you already know that. You also know that the Gospel of John in the New Testament may very well be uh, the, the, book, the book in the New Testament that is in the least chronological order. I mean, it, uh, it is absolutely not in the order of time. And you'll also know, if you've been listening, and if you haven't, I'm trying to tease a little bit, right? So these are things you would already know if you were listening or watching uh, Digging Deeper on Wednesday mornings at 10 o'clock. Uh, you would also know that of all the New Testament books, the Gospel of Luke is probably, or I'm not even going to say probably, the Gospel of Luke is the closest in chronological order of any other book uh, in, in the New Testament. And so you kind of want to keep those things in mind. And I'll mention that very specifically tonight uh, about the fact that Luke is the book that seems to be in the most chronological order because it, uh, it actually has an effect on our message tonight. We want to take note of that uh, fact that it is a little bit more time uh, sensitive than the, uh, than the other gospels are or even, uh, even the other books and uh, as the, the letters. So with that in mind, we're going to start tonight. And uh, we had several lessons on Mary, the mother of Jesus. And then we've had one lesson on most of the other Marys. I think one other Mary we had two, two lessons on. So we're going to start tonight with Mary Magdalene, and we're going to have several lessons on her. 
uh, and I'm hoping that this will be a blessing to you. Uh, you know, I've always been intrigued to study about her life and her uh, and how she fits in the scriptures. I've read an I'd read an awful lot even before I started studying, and I'd read an awful lot of stuff that was just stuff. You know, I mean, it was people that didn't know anything about the Bible, and they were just adding speculation upon speculation. On speculation some of them I am convinced are were, uh, who I've read after not only did they uh, have little regard or understanding of the Bible but I believe many of them uh, they had a desire to destroy the Bible that's what they want to do they want to tear it apart and uh, so some of the things that they uh, have used would include uh, would include the life of Mary Magdalene uh, and uh, and sometimes it can be just a little bit disturbing when you read all that but anyway we're going to begin tonight with uh, with her and we're going to take a few minutes and what I'd like to do tonight's a Bible study so I'm not I'm, I'm gonna preach but I'm not gonna preach okay so it's it's a it's a preaching service but I want us to really have a Bible study and so this is what we want to do tonight so when you when you when you start a Bible study you ought to have something that you're looking for something that uh, now I don't mean that you're trying to find something in this you know you got this idea of how it ought to be and so you're gonna find it out by you know going in the scripture and pulling out exactly what you want to build your own framework don't don't ever approach the Word of God with an agenda amen you let the Word of God speak to you you don't speak to the Word of God uh, but you still should have a goal in, in mind when you start a Bible study you're gonna study the book of Isaiah then one of the first things you're going to want to do about Isaiah is you're going to want to find out who he is if you can. Now, perhaps you can't. In the case of Isaiah, you can. You can find out a lot about, about Isaiah. If you read the book of Amos, you're going to find out very little about Amos. There's very little that you can glean, but you want to find out all you can. And that's what we want to do tonight. We want to try to find out who Mary Magdalene is. Who is she? Where did she come from? What's she like? We want to put her, we want to put her in our in our mind and our heart to see who she is. And then when we study the rest of the lessons on Mary Magdalene, by knowing a little bit about who she is, then it will help us to understand the things that she does. Is that right? And, uh, and it, it, it will clarify a lot of things for us uh, as we look at it. And I also think it's a very, very interesting study. We're going to start out by just reading the first three uh, verses of chapter number 8 of the Gospel of Luke. Did I say that? Eight, Luke 8, chapter number uh, 8 and verse 1, 2, and 3. So if you stand with us, uh, and I'm, I still do that. I know we all don't do that, but I do. And you, uh, so... Keep me around and you'll get to stand up when, when I preach, okay? So <laughs> do it that way. Let's take a look uh, at the first three verses of chapter number 8. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, this is talking about Jesus, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And then it says, and the twelve were with him. Now, there's something else that you would know if you've been studying with us on Wednesdays, and that is that all of the apostles are disciples, but not all the disciples are apostles. So there's only 12 apostles at this point in time, uh, and uh, these 12 are staying close to Jesus Christ. I want you to keep that in mind as we read the next two verses. The next verse says this, And certain women which had, 
been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And Joanna and the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. Dear Lord, we pray you'd help us in the understanding of the Word of God tonight. And Lord, we pray that uh, we might approach it, Lord, not just to have head knowledge. And Lord, we, we can gain a lot of head knowledge about the Bible and it have very little, if any, effect on the way we live, uh, on the way we look at the world, on the way we view others. But Lord, if we let the Word of God touch our heart, it'll change the way we see the world. It'll change the way we see you. And it'll even change the way we see ourselves. So, dear Lord, help us to take the Word of God, not just in the mind, but in the heart, and help it make a difference, even, even as we are studying a background, uh, a part of this passage. We pray that it might still speak to us in a powerful way. We'll be careful to give you the praise, for we make our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so we want to just pull a couple of things out of these few verses about Mary to find out who she is, okay? It says in verse number two, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And then down in verse number three, it says, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others. And then it says this, which ministered unto him, speaking of Jesus, of their substance. So these women that were, that were helping with the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were helping in more than, than just one way. And one of the ways, whenever you see in the New Testament, whenever you see that word substance used as it is here, uh, which ministered unto him of their substance, that's, that's talking about their money. That's what that's talking about. Now I know a lot of preachers don't like to preach on money and uh, a lot of church members don't like for their preachers to preach on money. And so a lot of times money's not ever mentioned, but it is mentioned a lot in the Bible. Amen? Did you know that? It's mentioned quite a bit in the Scripture. And so we ought not to be afraid of that. Uh, and that is exactly what he's talking about. And so they were doing a great work in supporting the work and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think I mentioned this a little bit uh, last week. Uh, when I, or, or, yeah, when I preached on Wednesday. No, whenever it was that I preached on the last Mary, and we talked just a little bit about this, but not in great detail. But yeah, it was part of their ministry to support the Lord Jesus Christ with their money. Now, I want you to notice some of these women that are with her. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward. Now, think about who this person is. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward. So this guy worked in the king's court. So what would these people be? wealthy. That's, that's what they would be. So sometimes we have this idea that Jesus just had a ragtag bunch of people that just, you know, they were uh, all poor and had nothing and they followed Jesus around and they were always hungry and always dirty and all that kind of stuff. That's not so. That's not true at all. As a matter of fact, it seems very apparent to us that there were many times that the Lord Jesus Christ was in the homes of nobility and wealth. Is that not true? 
As a matter of fact, he, uh, in, in chapter number 7, which we may very well refer to tonight, and if we don't tonight, we will the next time I preach. Uh, but, but I want you to think about something. Uh, in chapter number 7, he is evidently in a wealthy man's home, and he says, look, I came into your house, and you didn't wash my feet, your servants, nobody took care of me, nobody did anything, and then I want you to look what this woman did for me when you, who had more means perhaps than she did, didn't do anything for me. So he was obviously not in the poorest house in the community because uh, certain things would have been expected when you went in that house you know what I mean you remember growing up and there were those people in, in your community or in your family and if you went to their house you better eat you, I mean you better eat because if you don't eat you're going to offend them and they're going to talk bad about you for the next six months I mean, you, you went to their house, you were, you, ex, you were expected to eat. I mean, if it was in the middle of the afternoon and there was absolutely no reason to feed you and all of the lunch had been put away and dinner had not started, doesn't make any difference. Before you leave, you're going to eat, you know? You know, that was expected. And you know what? That was expected of many people of that generation. And do you know why? It's because that generation that came out of the Great Depression, they shared everything. They shared everything. And it was an insult for you to enter their home and not take something from them. You're supposed to share. Share and share a lot. So if you went to their house, they would expect you to feed them. And if they came to your house, then you were expected to feed them. And they might come to your house on a day that they didn't have very much. You ever thought about that? And they, that might have been in the back of their mind. So you thought it was just an inconvenience that you had to eat before supper in the middle of the afternoon, but what you were really doing was you were doing what was expected from that culture. And this was what was expected in that culture is when you went into a wealthy home, there were certain courtesies that were expected to be given you. And Jesus in chapter number 7 uh, says to the man, you did not give me the courtesies that you would have given anybody else. But you didn't give them to me. But anyway, uh, before we get into that, let's first of all take a, take a little bit of look at Mary herself. The Bible says certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And then it says Mary called Magdalene out of whom went seven devils. Now we learned two things about Mary here. The first thing we learned... Uh, or the second things that's mentioned is the fact that she had seven devils cast out of her and we're going to talk about that a little bit later maybe not even tonight but we'll talk about it soon but one thing we do know about her is where she's from now you remember last last week remember last week we talked about the fact that uh, Mary Salome had the name that she had because her father had died young and she had no man to take care of her, and she never married, so she became known as Mary Salome, or if she uh, did marry, her husband was gone, but it seems, it seems very apparent that she, at that point in life, she had not yet married, and so she was known by the name of her mother. So Mary Salome, her name was actually Salome, but she was known as Mary Salome and called Mary a lot. Why? Because that's how she was identified. She was identified by her, by her protector relative, which in this instance was her mother. So you're going to learn something about Mary Magdalene here by her name. 
The first thing you're going to learn is where she's from. She's from Magdala. Mary Magdalene, that's of Magdala. That's what Magdalene means. So we're talking about Mary of Magdala. That's who she is, Mary Magdalene. Now, a lot of people say that Magdala was a fishing village uh, uh, on, on the Sea of Galilee, but that's not exactly true. It was, there, were, there were probably no fishermen that lived in Magdala. You, and, uh, and I know that everybody's thinking, how could you live on the coast of uh, the Sea of Galilee uh, where everything centered around fishing and not be a fisherman? Well, that's because of the kind of city Magdala was. And, and believe it or not, this is going to help us understand a little bit about who Mary is. Okay? Now, just stay with me for a minute. So I got a couple of notes I want to uh, refer to. Uh, first of all, it was a city on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, about uh, three miles north of Tiberias. And in, uh, and in the Babylon uh, uh, Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud, or the book from the, from the Babylonians, it's known as Magdala Nuaya, Nuaya, that's the closest I can come to pronounce it. And, and what it means is, it means Tower of Fishes. But it was also known by another name, and I wrote that name down. I hope I can find it. Yeah, here it is. It was Tadike. Tadike was the, the other name for this same city, Magdala. And Tadike meant, it literally, meant. I want to get it exactly right. It literally meant the place of processing fish. That's what it meant, the place of processing fish. So what are we saying about the city where, uh, where Mary was, was raised, where she comes from? It was a city that was a merchant city. There was three kinds of people that lived in Magdala. There were the local people who lived there, and they made their living from the industry of fish. They bought fish, and they sold fish. That's what they did. They bought them and then they cleaned them and processed them. Many, many times they would cure them uh, with uh, salt or whatever. Uh, they did not cure them with ice, if you're wondering about that. That's the way they do it nowadays, but that is not the way they did it then. Uh, and they would cure them with salt or spices. And then once they had processed the fish, then the people that they bought them from were the fishermen and they left. And after they left, then the merchants who were wanting to buy fish, they would arrive and they would buy them from these local people there in Magdala. And so there was three different kinds of people. There were fishermen who came to sell their fish. They were the processors who processed the fish. And then there were the merchants who came into town and bought the fish. So I want you to think about this. This was one of, if, if not the most, it was one of the very most busy, bustling cities in all of the area around about Galilee. It was a very, very busy place. Now, I want to be kind, right? I, I do. I want to be kind. And, and, and I don't want to be out of line, you know? I, preachers ought not to say things to the pulpit for the purpose of shocking people, okay? So I don't want to do either one of those things. But I also want to be truthful. And so let's just think about this for a moment, okay? You got a city that's full of fishermen without their wives, and it is also full of merchants without their families, and a group of people who work curing fish all day long. So if you are a woman and you are not married, 
and you have no family tie, then what are you going to do in Magdala? Need I say more? The point I'm trying to make is a lot of people are, you know, they're, they're trying to reform Mary. Oh, Mary wasn't that horrible, bad person that she was. She was probably wealthy. Oh, I would imagine she was wealthy. I, was, I would imagine she was very wealthy because she sold herself over and over and over again. Not only did she sell herself over and over again, but it began to affect her spirit. Amen? Let me tell you something. You can't sin not even one time and it not affect you. Do you realize whatever sin you commit, and this is absolutely, positively, without question, it's the reality of life. Whatever sin you commit today, it'll be easier to commit that sin tomorrow. I don't care. I don't care if you're a preacher. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're the most saintly woman uh, in the church. I, I don't care if, if all of your family are, uh, you know, the most pious people you've ever seen. I'm telling you, if you sin today, the sin you committed today, is gonna, it's going to be easier for you to commit it tomorrow. And then if you commit it today and tomorrow, then it's going to be easier e even yet the next time. And after you've committed that sin three times, it's a habit. And it's something that's very hard to break. And it affects your spirit. It affects your, with, with, we psychologists and psychiatrists talk about it all the time. It affects your self-esteem, and yes, it does. Because it affects who you think you are. You begin to think of yourself as worthless, as of not of much value, of someone that, uh, that has very little to give. And when you begin to feel that way and act that way and live that way, do you know what you're doing? You're opening the door for what Mary Magdalene had in her life and in her existence, and that is evil spirits. And the Bible said she didn't have one, two, or three, but she had seven evil spirits, wicked ones, demons, that lived in her life, in her body, and took, took control over her. Now, I want you to think about who Mary is. But then I want you to think about what happened to Mary. Now, let's take a look, and then we'll, we're just going to take a minute tonight, and then we'll be done. Uh, I was going to do something a little bit different, but I'm going to be very brief tonight because I, I, I really want to kind of just leave this hanging in your mind. Now let's read this again. Verse 1 says, It came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Okay? So the apostles went with him everywhere he went. And who else went with him? Certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. I'm wondering if maybe uh, at some point in time the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years, you remember her? I wonder if she doesn't appear at some point as one of the people who were following Jesus around. Remember what I said, there's 12 apostles, but there's hundreds of disciples. And there was two kinds of disciples. There were the kind of disciples that were disciples when Jesus came to town. You got them kind. Jesus comes to town and they're his disciples. Oh, they love Jesus. They love, they want to be in the meeting. They want to show the glory of God. But when Jesus leaves, they stay right where they are. But then there were the other disciples. And when Jesus left, they went with him. 
wherever he went, they just followed him around. That's what, listen, it's not rocket science, folks. That's why they were called followers of the Lord Jesus. They literally followed him around. And here are these, these ladies that, uh, that are ladies of wealth and, and ladies in society, some of them. You noticed who we mentioned there. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod Stewart, Susanna, and many others which ministered in him of substance. But before they mention them, who do they mention? A certain, uh, certain women which had been healed of spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Can you imagine the wife of the steward of the king sitting around having lunch with the prostitute from Magdala? Can you imagine that? say, oh, I, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. That's what Jesus can do. That's what Jesus can do. I don't think Mary Magdalene was, was, I don't think she was nervous about being around these other women. I don't think she ever, I don't think she had to hold her head in shame. No, no. As a matter of fact, I think she was quite public about the whole situation. Amen. And, and next week, I don't, I don't know exactly when I'll be preaching, Sunday morning or Sunday night, but whenever it is that I get around to preaching again or the next week after that, we're going to talk about just how public she could be with this thing. Why was she not ashamed? Why didn't she hang her head? Why didn't she drag herself around? And why didn't... What, why would she not be filled with with low self-esteem. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus saved her, that's why. He forgave her. He forgave her completely. And he told her, you're, you're forgiven. <laughs> you, 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 you don't have to be ashamed. Because let me tell you something, Mary. Your sins were horrible. They were terrible. No one should commit goods, those kinds of sins. But this fella here... This guy here that invited the son of the living God into his house and he gave him no courtesy whatsoever, his sins are just as bad. And you know what you're thinking? You're thinking, oh, no, they're not that bad. Yeah, they are. As a matter of fact, I think they might very well be worse because the Bible says that the one thing that God despises is a prideful spirit. Now, Mary might have had a lot of things, but I don't think a prideful spirit was one of them. She might, have had, she might have been filled with gratitude. She might have been overwhelmed with devotion. She might have, uh, she might have had a sense of, uh, of commitment to the ministry and the call and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, perhaps like very few others might have. But she was not filled with pride because she could never, ever forget where she was when Jesus found her. He found her in Magdala. He found her in the city of the fishes. The, by the way, the, the uh, Babylonian word means tower of fishes. And what that means is when the, after the fishermen had come and gone, when the merchants arrived, they were stacked up higher than the buildings the fish were for them to come and get them. Can you, now listen, I, I'm not, you know, trying to be crude here, but can you imagine what that place smelled like? 
I mean, really, come on, folks. I mean, let's just be honest. Have you ever been to West Grove? Right? Any of you ever eaten the Perkins up there? You get out of the car and you hold your nose till you get in the restaurant. Is that true? Is that right? Why is it? Because it stinks. And why does it stink? I'm not going to tell you because you already know. <laughs> but if they were processing fish and stacking them up higher than the houses in the town, don't you think when the wind came and blew your direction, you would smell the fish? It's not freedom, Marv. It's fish. <laughs> it's fish. That's what they smell like. And that's just representative of the life these people lived in Magdala. I guarantee you there was many a fisherman went to Magdala. When he went home, he held his head in shame walking in the door. He never told his wife. He never let his children find out, but he carried that guilt with him everywhere he went. There were a lot of merchants that went back to their families. They felt so very ashamed. But now here's Mary, just following Jesus, sitting down with the wife of the steward of the king. What happened to her? She got born again. She got saved by the grace of God. She got her sins forgiven. So now we know a little something about Mary. We, when we read the next few passages that we're going to look at, we can remember, oh, this... This is who she is. This is why she did this. This is why she acted this way. I'll just give you one tiny little hint. Have you ever wondered why when the other women left the garden after they got there and there was, the tomb was empty and nobody was in there and all the women left but Mary didn't leave? You ever wonder why she didn't leave? Well, now you know who she is. Think about it. You'll come up with some ideas as to why she didn't leave. You'll come up with some understanding. Remember what we said? There's two things we learned about Mary. Number one, we learned that she doesn't have a family background. She's not, she's not Mary, the daughter of Magdala. No, Magdala is a city. She's not Mary... The sister of Magdalene, no, Mary, uh-uh, Magdalene is, is, is of the city, of the city of Magdala. No, 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 she's not even identified with the family. She is only identified with the most vile and wicked city on the Sea of Galilee. That's the way she's identified. And yet Jesus forgave her and cleaned her. Remember the other day when you got up in the morning, you remember that? You know where I'm going. You got up in the morning, you looked outside. You had about, we got about five or six inches of snow here. That first big snow we got. Got about five or six inches here. And I got up and I looked out. Praise God, Delmer hadn't come yet. <laughs> he knows why I said that. Because I could get out there and get pictures and he hadn't plowed the snow off the parking lot yet. We could get all that snow. Oh, man. So glorious. Why is that? Helen, we, we had to go somewhere a couple of days later. 
and the snow was still on the ground, especially where we went. We went up near Pottsville, and, as, and we took the back roads. We didn't go down uh, 10 and 30 and all that stuff. We went through the back roads, through the farms and, and the fields and everything, and oh, it was just covered with snow. And, and, and the sun came out that afternoon, and my wife said, wow, it's so bright because the snow is so white and the world seemed so clean. And Mary of Magdalene, of Magdala, she came to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was filled with seven evil spirits and her life was full of sorrow and heartache and, and regret and pain and suffering and the Lord just took her and made her as the Bible said he made her white as snow that's what I think he did I can believe that he made her white as snow hey did Jesus make you white as snow did he forgive you did he cleanse you did he make you whole if he didn't he will if you ask. Now, he's not going to force it on you. He's not going to force you to get saved. He's not going to force you to get right with God. You're not going to get drugged down the aisle, kicking and screaming and thrown into the kingdom of God. That's the way you go to hell. Did you know that? You get drugged down there and thrown into the pits of hell. That's how you go down there. No, if you go to heaven, you go wanting to go. You go desiring to go. You go because you come by way of the cross. I got to just say, um, there's a new song out that uh, uh, Mark Bishop just wrote not long ago and recorded and put on his new album, uh, Home. I don't know if any of you have seen that album. Have you seen it yet? Called Home. There's a song on there, and I can't remember it. I've only heard it about 2,530 times since I got the record but anyway uh, it says but there is a cross and it says that Jesus was watching what was happening in the garden now it's 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 an it's an out al, it's an allegory so don't get all wrapped up and say oh the theology is not perfect just just take it for what it is it's wrong but Jesus is watching what's happening in the garden when Adam sins, he looks at the Father. He says, Father, is there any way for them to be redeemed? The Father says, yes, son. They can be saved. But there's a cross. There's a cross. Oh, folks, we can be saved. But we got to go by way of the cross. We got to go by way. There's not another way. Not another way. It's only one. You say, oh, preacher, there ought to be more than one way. Let me tell you something. There ought to be no way. Your sin, your life, the way you turned your back on God, the way you, the, the, the way you just lived as if it didn't matter, yet God loved you anyway. And his only son to die for you on the cross of Calvary. I tell you what, we are blessed way beyond measure if there's any way to be redeemed of our sin. But there's a cross. Listen to that song if you get a chance. It's beautiful. It is absolutely wonderful. I've just, I just been listening to it all week. It just, I, I just, I don't know, I listened to it one day. I listened to it about four or five times in a row. 
I'm driving my wife crazy, you know. Wow, I'd, and every time they'd say that, and they say it about four, as you might guess, if once you hear the song, they say it four, five, six times in the song, but every time he would say it, I would just think, oh, I would be so lost. I would be so lost. But there was a cross. But there was a cross. Mary Magdalene would have died in her sin. She would have died in her shame. She would have lived every day of her life with her regret. But there was a cross. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to bring the message tonight. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts through the pages of your eternal word. And Lord, we, as we learn of Mary, Lord, oh dear God of heaven, please, help us not to take it as an academic exercise. One day we're going to see her. One day we're going to walk down streets of gold with this woman that, that was so changed, that, that was turned around so fully and completely. We're going to hear her story from her lips. I believe that. Lord, knowing that, Lord, may we look at her as one of your perfected, glorified children and if there's somebody here tonight that's lost Lord truly I can say this tonight if you saved Mary Magdalene surely you could save anybody in this room if you took her from where she was and made her a follower of Christ to sit down with royalty Lord if you could do that in her life you could do it in any life. There's not a life that you can't save. There's not a sin you can't forgive. There's not a broken heart that you can't mend. Oh, dear God of heaven, touch us tonight with your grace and your glory. We ask it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Let's stand together while we sing. 162. 162. Just deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure That He would give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of searing the Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the Chosen One Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon the my sin upon his shoulders ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers it was my sin that held 
His time. 